You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by Two for One Pizza. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. Visit Two for One Pizza. Dot com. All right. It's the Leafs versus the Sabres t- tomorrow night, rather, at Scotiabank Arena. Marty Biron, MSG Sabres analyst, is going to join us in the next couple of minutes here. But it's, Sabres Leafs are definitely not the biggest story in Buffalo right now. Well, no, they're not. But, I mean, like, the Sabres so always give that, Toronto fits, though. Yeah, they do. Like, God, that the Winter problem. Classic game from last year, kind of, it's, it's a game from last year, as I circle, it's it's one of the worst games I can remember from last year. Shogren got that start, didn't he? Did he really? I'm pretty sure he started in that game. So I think that was like I remember I was on vacation at the time. Remember when I I was on my cruise during that game? Yeah. And Campbell got injured. Razik was injured the whole season basically, so he was out. I'm pretty sure Shogren ended up having to having to play that game. I think that's when you gave him like the Prince moniker. Is that when he became? I gave him the Prince moniker. Like while I was on vacation, I heard that. No, but like during that week, I think he he won a game against uh, Dallas or something. Yeah. I feel like he started that game. Anyways, he's not going to start. Well, he might start tomorrow. Actually, do you think they would start Shogren? Uh, or do you think that they'll get Matt Murray a third straight game? I think Matt Murray being on the ice very briefly tomorrow says load management says he'll play tomorrow. Okay. But I think I've been wrong before. No, I, I well, I just wonder if, if like, you, you think about load management. He's already played twice this week. It's a guy who's only played, what, one game in, like, 255 days prior to this week. You want to give him three games within, uh, within a, like, a five, six-game stretch? That That's the only, you know, question I have there. And, and, and not to say that I don't think he should play. I just wonder if they'll be cautious and give Schalgren the start. Knowing that Buffalo, they've lost seven in a row. But here's that. Now you get into the conversations. Like, do we really want to come into this game as we always do and, and take this team lightly? Like, you don't want to do that, right? No, Buffalo's been such a pain in the butt for the Leafs the past couple of seasons. Buffalo needs a win bad, too, right now. Yeah, they do. They need a win. Like, they've, they've lost seven in a row. They're, it's not looking good. Eric Comrie, who was like their 1A, is, is injured and, and he's on the IR for a little bit. So it's really, it's going to be Craig Anderson that's going to be the guy. Craig Anderson and Ukapeka Lukanen, one of the, the greatest names, I think, in greatest hockey. Greatest chant I've ever heard. Those two will be uh, the goalies for, for that squad. But I mean, seven straight losses, it's not looking good. Um, they do have, yeah. Craig Anderson is such a marvel, such a, what's the word I'm looking for? Such a, such a joy to watch. <laughs> well, it's like what 41, 42. He he is a leaf killer though. Like he yeah. always plays the leaf so well, and that's why you're going into into the game. You're like, oh, I know Toronto. They've played well of late. Buffalo no. has not, but for whatever reason, I, I just can't get over how poorly Toronto plays Buffalo every single time. Like last year, they were they were bad. Like one and three, they picked up two of a possible eight points. Against the Buffalo Sabres. Terrible. I also just figured out who was in net versus the Sabres last year in that. Uh... Was it Shogren? Nope. Peter Mrazek. Oh, it was Mrazek. Okay, so maybe that's when Mrazek came back. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, maybe that's what happened. But um, the weather's crazy So right you, you're a Niagara Falls dude, which is essentially right yeah, in the Yeah, it's like 20 minutes, 20, 20, 25 minutes You were going to go home this weekend, decide against it. I was going to, and then I saw the weather report, and I'm like, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll stay here in Toronto. I don't want to have to be in that Buffalo weather. I'll say this, though. So, sometimes, I swear, it, it could be 
an absolute tundra in like Orchard Park, New York, which is a borough of Buffalo. And then it won't be that bad in Buffalo. And then on the other side of the border in Niagara Falls, Ontario, there's like maybe a dusting of snow. It's wild how different it could be within 20 minute drives throughout kind of that Buffalo area. I think we got a guy on the line who's very familiar with that Buffalo area. Marty Biron, MSG Sabres analyst, former goaltender in the NHL. Marty, how's uh, how's the weather treating you out there, pal? You staying safe? I'm in my truck. I got the plow on, and I'm plowing. I got about an eight-foot snowbank at the end of my driveway right now that oh. I put up. And funny enough, I was in studio at TSN last night working the uh, Montreal Canadiens in Columbus, and then I drove back to Buffalo just to find out that tomorrow night our studio uh, is being shut down. So I got to drive back to Toronto tonight oh. so that I can be in Toronto for the Sabres Leaves game tomorrow night. So uh, just uh, I'm a boy from Quebec City. This is like, yeah, it's pretty significant amount of snow, but I can handle it. You can hack it. I'm very impressed with Buffalo's media right now because the Bills have just completely left town. Then I check Buffalo Sabres Twitter. They're on the ice at practice, and there's media there. Hockey's just built different, I suppose. <laughs> well, it is also, and as you guys were talking about, so I'm in the south towns in Buffalo. I'm in East Aurora and right by Orchard Park, and oh. it's like a snow band that just dumps on us. I talked to Rob Ray earlier, and he's like 20 minutes from me north. He's like, we got an inch. Like right. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I like we're standing in my driveway with snow up to my waist. Like, we got three and a half feet. And he's, or he's got an inch 20 minutes north of me. I, I, so do you remember the Bills-Colts uh, game from a few years ago? Oh, yeah. The snow, so I was at that game. No. I was at that game. It was maybe the worst experience of my life because I was not prepared for it. Um, I wasn't wearing boots. I was wearing shoes. Anyways, <laughs> oh, so it was you. awful. I'm surprised that I didn't get frostbite on my I'm feet. I'm surprised you were wearing Adam a t-shirt. Sandler. I no, I definitely had a jacket and coats. Well, and stuff, that but... day didn't start like that. Like it started pretty clear, and then yeah. all of a sudden, right before kickoff at about 12:45, it just came down hard and never stopped. So yeah, there was a lot of people I know were at the game that weren't prepared for it either, and they're from Buffalo. Yeah. Well, the funny part is, is so you had that. Snowmageddon going on in Orchard Park, and then when I got back to my house in Niagara Falls, Ontario, barely, barely any snow, a little dusting on the ground. It's like, it's a 25, 30-minute drive. How could it possibly be so different? And it's funny, when I tell people, you know, how crazy different the snow could be from a 30-minute drive, people just don't understand. And, you know, Marty, obviously you do. You're from (laughs) Orchard Park, and like you said, Rob Ray, 20 minutes down the road, He's got about an inch, and you're sitting there with three feet. It's it's absolutely well, insane. And last night, last night when I was on the Peace Bridge between Fort Erie and Buffalo, yeah. there was no snow at all. There you but go. But I could see over the city there was thunder and lightning. It was not just a snowstorm. It was a snow thunderstorm last night at about midnight. And uh, then I got over the Peace Bridge, and I drove on the highway for two minutes, and it just came down. So, yeah, it's a little weird, but... Hey, you know what? Uh, we love it, and we love our sports, and people are going to be watching tomorrow night and uh, because they'll be inside, and they'll watch the Sabres at least. That's good. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So they're taking on each other tomorrow night, uh, 7 o'clock puck drop. And the the weather in Buffalo, pretty indicative of what's going on with the team on the ice, both uh, sure. pretty cold right now. Uh, like last we spoke, Marty, the team was, was off to a good start 
um, to the season. But since then, on a seven-game skid, what's what's been different? What's been the reason for this slide for the Buffalo Sabres? Well, I mean, the numbers, if you look at the expected goals for and expected goals against, have not changed much. But early in the season, they were outscoring their expectations. So you had some guys that were, like Victor Olofsson was scoring. Uh, Tage Thompson, obviously, is, is on fire. Uh, Rasmus Dallin scored in five straight games to start the season. And he's been fantastic. The puck just hasn't gotten a nap for him lately. Uh, and goaltending was outperforming their expectations in the first 10 games. Well, in the seven-game losing streak, goaltending has, has been on the wrong side of the expectation. So um, that's really the basic of what the Sabres are right now. When they were hot, they were hot at scoring and defending and goaltending. Now they're not, and they're not at both ends. Other than Thompson line with Tuck and Skinner and Darlene playing with power, they've got no secondary help, and it's, uh, it's causing them to not even get to overtime. Right, seven-game losing streak, and it's not even, oh, we picked up a point here and there. It's seven games in regulation that they lost. Yes, there were some good teams, Boston, Vegas, Tampa, Carolina, but they lost to Arizona. They lost to Vancouver. I mean, those are tough games. Yeah, I saw the Eric Comrie injury this morning. He was so hot to start the season. How much of a blow is that to Buffalo? Well, it is because he was good early, but he had cooled off. And you know that you have Craig Anderson, who's 41 years old, so it's not like Craig Anderson can play, you know, seven, eight, nine in a row. Um, And the the news this morning for Comrie is he's going to be out multiple weeks. They did an MRI, and he favored his left leg, right, as uh, Darlene went and hit Matthew Joseph into his own goaltender, um, that that was a bad result, and Darlene said it was my fault, and he apologized, but you never like to see those collisions at the crease, and it happened against Ottawa. So Comrie's out, but we talked about the goalie situation with the Sabres before the season, and they have a kid, Ukopeka Lukanen, yeah. who's ready for the NHL, um, You know, but he needed to play a lot of games, and he's played nine games in Rochester this year, so... He's going to be up, and he's going to play a lot of games. Now, I don't think he should start tomorrow. Um, they haven't announced a starter yet. I would expect Craig Anderson to go into Toronto and play. But they're in Montreal Tuesday, and I would think UPL is going to get one of those two games for sure. Yeah, how much of an opportunity is this for him? I remember when Eric Comrie went to the Sabres, thinking he was a little weird. I used to watch Ukopeka and Sudbury, and I, he, he was so impressive. Yeah. It's a huge opportunity for him. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where he really turned his, his, his future around because he, um, he was the uh, goalie of the year and uh, he yeah. had won a bunch of awards in the OHL that year uh, after a not-so-great season in Finland the year before. So he turned himself around in Sudbury. That was great. Um, in Rochester, it's been up and down, cold and hot, um, and he's dealt with injuries and obviously the COVID year and – the AHL was weird during the COVID year. They played the same three teams all the time, right? So that was weird. But he had a really strong camp. He's a big goaltender that plays really well around the net, uh, really good low to the ice. I, I feel like he has struggled with, with point shots and, and traffic, but he's gotten better. So this is going to be a really big opportunity for him for the future. I still think if Comrie and Anderson are healthy, Lukanen goes back to Rochester, but if 
Comrie's going to be out multiple weeks. This could be a break for Lukanen and play some NHL games. Uh, we're chatting with Marty Baron, former uh, NHL goaltender and analyst for the Buffalo Sabres. And we were talking about this just before you jumped on, that the Sabres consistently give the Toronto Maple Leafs fits. It doesn't matter. Sabres could be at the bottom of the standings, Toronto at the top. For whatever reason, Buffalo always brings their A game, and Toronto kind of shoots themselves in the foot. Last year, they were 1-3, picked up just two of eight points against Buffalo last year. And, you know, everyone seems to be picking up points on, on the Sabres right now, loses of seven straight. I mean, what, what do you think Toronto will need to do tomorrow to, to get that win? Well, the Sabres have given up three or more goals in 12 straight games and in 14 of 17 this year. So if you're the Leafs, you know, you got to think that you're going to be given opportunities to score, but you can't cheat. You can't go into a track meet and hope that you can beat the Sabres that way. The Sabres will give you opportunities. Unfortunately, defensively, they, they've not really had the lock-it-down structure yet. So the Leafs will get that. Uh, the Sabres penalty kill in the last, what is it, five or six game? I think they're like 58%. Like their penalty kill has been just brutal. So, again, the Leafs could probably wait for opportunities in the offensive zone for special teams to come through uh, and put the Sabres away by scoring three, four, five goals just by what the Sabres have been given other teams. But I also think that for the Sabres, it's always emotionally charged up when you play the Leafs, right? Because yeah. of, and I'm not saying the rivalry for the next the last 20 years, because some of those players weren't around when Ty Domi was fighting Rob Ray, right? And so when when they met in the conference finals in '99, some of those the, the, the players on the Sabers weren't even born. But Heritage Classic last year, when Cousins hit Matthews, and then he had to fight Bunting and. And there was a lot going on. So yeah, I really feel that emotionally, yeah, this, is a, this is a big rivalry. Yeah, you're talking about the suspension as well, the cross-check. So there, there's a lot there. Yeah, definitely. Okay, bright spot for the Sabres, though, is that Tage Thompson continues to dominate. What have you noticed about him this year, Marty, that looks so different from the past couple? Uh, well, last season he scored 38, and we saw Thompson playing center for the first time ever. He didn't remember the last time he played center, and he, I think it was when he was in juniors or maybe even younger. But Don Granado felt, hey, there's this six foot seven guy that is limited on the wall because of his size. He can't, so maybe in the middle of the ice he can use more room to use his skills, and it's worked out well. He's got an unbelievable shot. Uh, against Ottawa, he scored a power play one-timer. It was over 97 miles an hour on the one-timer. Like any goalies that, that have gotten a shot that hard on a shoulder or in a glove or right in the mask, uh, you get out of the way. So when he lets it go, um, it's, it's hard, it's fast, it's precise. He's got great hands in tight for a big man. So he's, he's definitely very impressive. And with Tuck and Skinner, they've got a lot of chemistry together. We're chatting with Marty Baron, a former NHL goaltender and analyst for the Buffalo Sabres. Julie and I were kind of talking about this uh, just a moment ago, who we thought might get the start for Toronto. Now, Matt Murray's played pretty well the last couple of games, but he's a guy who had only played, what, one start, I think it was, in like a 255-game span. Yeah. Would you think that potentially yeah. with, with Buffalo coming in, being you know that they're on a seven-game losing streak, is this a game that you would continue to go to Matt Murray or maybe give him the night off and Schalger might get the start? 
I would go to Matt Murray. Um, you know, you watch last night's game. I, I think he did a good job, but he's so unsure in a few situations. Uh, look, he missed a month, right? It's going to take some time to get back to where you want to be. But there was a couple of pucks where they were underneath his pad and he wasn't sure where it was. But the, the first two goals, um, he, he kind of felt forward, right? He kind of was a little bit caught by what was happening. Uh, he, he lost an edge on the first one. He kind of slipped forward. So he still needs to tighten up some technical elements. I would, I would keep playing him. Uh, you know, I would look at the schedule the next two weeks and say, I would want Matt Murray to play 80% of the games until Samsonov is healthy to return. So, yeah, I would play him in, against Buffalo on Saturday night, and uh, then you can adjust. But I, I still think Murray's got to get his confidence and, and get his rhythm going. And, and last night it was broken up at some point. Uh, well, you, you bring up Ada Samsonov, and of course the injury's there to him. I know Matt Murray's been hurt uh, as well, but they're both back. And when they've been healthy, they've seemed to actually give the Leafs some pretty stabilized goaltending. I recall back uh, when that deal was made this summer, you, you weren't too happy with the, the decision to go with those as, as the tandem for Toronto. Has your decision uh, or, or your opinion of that changed at all based on what you've seen through the first six weeks of the season? Yeah, I still don't know what they got in Matt Murray. And, look, uh, it could be good. It could be average. It could be great. It could be bad. Um, I haven't seen enough of Matt Murray yet to know what he's going to be like with the Leafs. Samsonov, I've been impressed and pleasantly surprised. And I said this summer, look, I think Samsonov has a higher upside, but there's there's been a lot of inconsistency in his game. And from what I'm gathering, um, he's matured. You know, I think there was maybe a, a tough situation with him in Washington uh, where he was kind of stuck into his own bubble. And, you know, I remember before the, the, the summer playoffs uh, during the pandemic, he had a four-wheeler accident in Russia that kept him out of that playoff run by Washington. Um, so I think he's matured, and you're seeing it on the ice now. And this is a great opportunity for him to take the lead and be a number one goalie again in the league. Um, so I've liked what I've seen. Unfortunately, he's injured right now, but I, I've liked what I've seen out of Samsonov. I'm still not sure about Murray, if that's going to be good. You're going to be uh, taking the plow with your truck up to Toronto tomorrow or what? No, I just have to go <laughs> 10 minutes north, and then there won't be any snow. So that's I'm going to throw the plowing today, and then by the time I'm ready to leave tonight, I think as soon as I get to you know, like downtown Buffalo or even across to Fort Erie, it should be all clear. Sounds good. Well, drive safe. Yeah, Hopefully drive you safe. get uh, into the city nice and safe tomorrow. I know the conditions out there are quite brutal, especially with you being in that uh, right in that snow pocket. But really appreciate taking the time to, to join us. As always, Marty, enjoy the game tomorrow, and have a good weekend. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. There he goes. Marty Baron, former NHL goaltender, Sabres analyst, native of uh, the snowpocalypse this weekend. Yeah. As soon as he said he had the plow on the truck, I was like, ah, he knows what he's doing. He's all good. Oh, yeah. Well, I, like when you, I'm telling you, and, and Marty confirmed it, within a 20-minute span, you could go from there being The six lake feet is of crazy snow, powerful. But it's not even the lake, like, because the, the, the river is in downtown Buffalo. Okay. Right? Orchard Park is kind of in its own little pocket. So it's not even that it's like the lake effect. There's just a snow belt that rolls right through that, right on top of that that building, that arena. 
Um, no, I guess it's the stadium is, is what yeah. it is called, of the Buffalo Bills. And it's just insane the amount of snow that they get in comparison to the surrounding boroughs of, like, that Buffalo area. Yeah. It's wild. I was thinking about a snow day we had a couple years ago in Toronto. That I don't know why this reminded me of. My dad always has the plow on the front of his truck, too, and I yeah. have, like, I don't know why my Jeep has a tow bar on the front of it. It's probably from Thunder Bay. I know, but I think it's something that my dad was like, you know, if she hits something, at least she'll be fine. But it's got a tow bar and a winch on the front of it for some. I, I've never used it, AB. Like, it looks way tougher than I actually am. But when I was in university and broke and there was a crazy snow day one day, my dad was, <laughs> he had this great business idea for me and my roommate. Me and my roommate, two 20-year-old girls, to go out onto the gardener where a whole bunch of people were stuck give a little beep beep like hey boys you need some help and pull people out and and charge them that was his business idea for charge to help humanity yeah it, it, that was his business idea for <laughs> oh me God. in in university when i would complain to him about being poor but he was like well you got the jeep nobody else has a truck there just go out and pull people out of the snow that's and I was funny like, Dad, that is not something that i'm gonna do i uh yeah i'm I, another reason why i guess because i was supposed to go back to niagara this weekend yep I opted not to. It was my sister's birthday, so they were having a dinner, and Aww, I was like, yeah, with the weather. But also, that meant that I would have had to sit there, and and and, and my family did, does not believe in the snowblower. Oh, man. Yeah. My my dad always said, uh, why don't I need a snowblower when I got him? Yeah. Points at me. I'm like, oh, thanks. It's always the same. Growing up, that's what it was. So yeah. It was like, I don't need a snowblower. I got him. Yeah. And there was me out there with the shovel at least an hour. I got a long driveway like it's like a 12 to 15 car driveway it's Ooh. a long driveway how do you shovel that oh it takes me over an hour i gotta put over in a an plate for you my back is i can't is, believe only oh. an hour that's impressive that you get that done in an hour yeah it's 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 tough it, it definitely is tough to have to do that okay with, uh, you gotta stay away from home this weekend then you can't be going around there and shoveling. Well, now that i'm in toronto right? i don't have to worry about that that's that's the so there's pros and cons to living in a condo right like the pros are you park your car you, underground and it doesn't matter you don't have and you to don't do anything snow. right whereas I never get into a cold outward, car and I love that yeah. I, nothing worse than a cold car and you got to brush it off well yeah brush it off you got to leave like 15ish minutes not that you leave but you have to go outside turn your car on you got to get it the heaters going you got to go out there with the snow brush all that I will say that well uh, I well I chirped my dad a bit for that business idea that he had he, uh-huh. I I can't remember a time where I was at home and had to start my own car and brush it off in the wintertime. So I will shout him up for that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. He got up earlier. It'd be warm when I got out. <laughs> High school is the best. Tia uh, said 1050. Oh, you just took that away. We had a, we had a, an ad read, and it just went away on me there. Uh, all right. Travis Yost is going to join us, TSN uh, Analytics Writer. He wrote a pretty good piece about goal differential on TSN.ca earlier in the week. And uh, we're going to see exactly what he found in his research. What does that mean? How does that correlate to success early on in the year? Or does it correlate? That's the type of stuff that uh, Travis Yost digs into and finds those answers for us. So we'll chat with him on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tichieri. Here's some Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Welcome back. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Travis Yost with us on the phone right now. TSN hockey analytics writer. Uh, Travis, we've been seeing your tweets about Twitter and, and the slow violins that have been playing around Twitter as it as it goes down with the ship. He's not there yet, sorry. 
Oh, it's okay. I was. I thought he was there. I thought I heard him say he's there. Oh, I got the head fake from I you. I know. That's my bad. I'll take the L on it's that okay. one. He it's okay. He will join us in just a moment. Well, the L is being taken online by, by the Twitter sphere. And oh, it, my goodness. I, don't, I, I have a hard time picturing it actually going down. Twitter dying? Yeah, like I think. completely RIP? I wouldn't be surprised if we started to experience some issues this weekend, what with all the lack of. Okay, so I, I, I don't know. I was somewhat following along what was going on. Yeah. But so what happened? They got like they're all whole, locked out of the building. Like they fired a bunch of people, and now they're sitting there with their with their hands full and don't know where to go. Like I think that there exactly was an the ultimatum here? laid down uh, yesterday, and there was a deadline, and, and the vast majority of of the workers decided opted not to stay. I don't know. I I don't really know in general, but if the app goes down, I'll miss you guys that I follow on there. And with that, let's bring in our TSN. Hockey analytics writer Travis Yost. Travis, your your initial thoughts on on what might be the Twitter apocalypse? <laughs> I, I, I already I already said that. I think I said this yesterday or two days ago. If Twitter goes down, I'm out. I'm out for good. I I'm said the going, exact same going, thing, Travis. I was like, don't look for me. I'm not providing anything else. Do not search for me. I'm not going. Someone said there. I was reading. Uh, that's what it was. Two days ago, CNBC was trying to put out in the United States. They were trying to put out. Yeah, hey, this could be. This could be a, bu- a good bull case for, for Facebook if Twitter goes down. I'm like, no nope. one's going back to Facebook. No yeah, one's going anywhere. Not. We're either going, we're going down with the ship on Twitter. Yep, I like I, it. I don't, the thing, though, is like in our line of work, Twitter is actually really it, – it's a useful tool. Like, yeah, there's, it's a cesspool a lot of the time. But for the, what we do, it's a useful tool not only for getting a lot of news – you know, lineup updates, we rely on Twitter a lot, quotes from players and whatnot. And even like Travis, from your perspective, yeah. somebody who's out there writing, like just to get your work out there, like that's where I look at Twitter and, and the downfall of if it does leave, I guess, and, and it does end up dying in the next little bit, you know, that's the stuff that's going to bother me. Not necessarily the fact that I can't tweet out my thoughts. It's It's what I'll miss from what I get from it. Yeah, that's. I think. I think you actually hit a really important point here from a broader sports thing, a broader sports component, which is sports is the. I, and yes, us three may all be biased, but yeah. <laughs> you go on. You go on Twitter. Like sports is one of the main vehicles for why Twitter is successful as it is today. Because for the most part, I mean, look at you go on Twitter on a Sunday, and I get not everyone is an NFL or American football fan, but if you go on Twitter on a Sunday. The only thing you see, even if you're not following any any sports accounts, is, hey, look, there's a gazillion NFL games on. And by the way, the Premier League also dominates Twitter, and I'm not not a soccer fan. And every morning, every weekend morning, I know my feed is going to be inundated with British Premier League updates. And it's like that plus, like, I would say the broader financial markets and how, how news has to be delivered so so quickly, so expediently in, in that niche. Those are like the vehicles for what's kept Twitter alive and humming for so many years. And I guess I guess the, to that end, like you would imagine that it goes somewhere. But um, I, like I said, I'm going down with the ship yeah. and I'll just become an old school uh, newspaper writer where once a week I'll send a, a letter to my readers and say, hey, make sure to log on to tsn.ca to read my stuff. Well, maybe, okay, this is the last one on Twitter before we start to behave like adults, but maybe the analytics community specifically, how much do you think Twitter has oh, uh, point. expedited the, the rise of an- analytics? Uh, a ton, and I, I think it also accelerated the hiring of a lot of these people in the front so office. So true, too, because, yeah. 
I, it wasn't just that, hey, look, there's a new way to think about this and there's a better way to make decisions, you know, pairing this sort of work with video analysis and some of the stuff that exists and will exist forever in the NHL. And, hey, look, this is a really good supplemental tool. It went from that and, like, hey, this is why it's value-added to, like, hey, now it's explosive and everyone's looking at it in some capacity. And, oh, by the way, teams started realizing there were competitive advantages. Well, I can promise you, as someone who was at the very beginning stages of this, when we were doing it in, like, Edmonton, Edmonton Oilers fan blog comment sections, which, it, like, true story, that's where some of this evolved from. <laughs> no one in the NHL was reading it there, but everyone in the NHL world even five, six, seven, eight years ago, was reading about it on Twitter. And I think Twitter, like many things, it greatly, greatly accelerated um, how much attention and traction this got around the league. And I yeah, I think looking back, I think that's a slam dunk case. I mean, I, it's pretty hard to argue. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree. Like that, That's actually a really good point that I didn't even consider is, is how that did help you know the analytics community really grow and, and, and even prospects and just you know, yeah. just in general, it's – you know, as, as much as we clown and everyone's clown, it's like, ah, oh, Twitter's a cesspool anyways. I, there are segments you, where it's really positive for some people. I'll give you, I'll give you a phenomenal example right now. This, this, this is actually the use case that we were thinking about. So, I, I mean, I started doing this as a hobby when I entered my undergrad. And, you know, I'm, now I'm just this really old man. Um, but I can tell you, by the time that this, you know, this niche, this area be, had become popular, and real, I would say entrenched and ingrained in modern hockey discussion, at least in some capacity, the amount of players and coaches that I have connected with privately through Twitter versus any other communication stream combined, it's probably 50 to 1 minimum. I mean, I've probably gotten two or three or four emails I've probably gotten no less than 75, you know, messages from different players or coaches. Just curious about something I was looking at, had a question. I'll never forget. I had a a fourth line enforcer who was trying, like this was about four or five years ago. He was trying to kind of reinvent this game as more of a checking line forward. And he just in the off season was, and also a, uh, a Canadian player as well. um, He, he was curious about what certain stats said about him as a player but before he was going into this, I guess, you know, changing of the guard as a player. And we just had a good, you know, 30-minute hour discussion back and forth about why we look at the stuff, why it matters, why it's predictive of future outcome, why coaches care about it in some cases. And, like, if you think about it, that conversation doesn't happen without Twitter, period. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So RIP if that's the case. But with that, we'll move on to your some of your recent work. <laughs> you wrote a great piece on TSN.ca this week about goal differential early in the season, your main takeaways from that study. Yeah, so I think this is always a good time of the year to remind people or one of the overarching data points that you should be looking at this early in the season to gauge how a team is playing or progressing in the standings is not the win-loss record, it's goal differential. And at almost every juncture, Goal differential is more indicative of how a team has played and how a team will play in the future than something like win-loss record. And and a lot of it is because goal di- goal differentials are, you know, wins and losses are binary. You either won the game or you lost the game. But goal differentials have a have a sensitivity component to it. Where you take a team like Colorado, they could win ten games in a row. Uh, you know, the Arizona Coyotes can win ten games in a row. 
but the Avalanche might win the average game by two and a half, three goals, right? And it's like there, it, these games aren't even close. They're blowouts versus a team that's effectively scraping by, and their record may look great, but maybe they're playing so-so hockey. And to me, I and and some and it cuts in every direction, right? Like I, I think one of the most fascinating things right now in the NHL standings, and I, I wrote this early in the week, but it's still true. Uh, Toronto is, as it sits today in the Atlantic, Toronto is, I believe, in second place. I think they've got 22 points. Um, I think they're three goals to the upside. So they've outscored their opponents by three goals over the course of the season. Ottawa has outscored their opponents as well by one goal. So there's a two-goal spread over effectively a two-goal differential spread over almost 20% of the season. But look where Ottawa is in the standings. They are dead last. I believe they're nine points back as of today despite being two goals worse than the Maple Leafs over the first 20% of the season. And it says a little bit about Ottawa. It says a little bit about Toronto. Uh, but more importantly, like from a front office, from a fan base, from a media perspective, it should help us calibrate or focus on what is actually working well and what is not. Like if you were Ottawa, you were probably massively frustrated with that lengthy losing streak they had at the end of October, early November. But almost every one of those games was basically score-tied until the second or third period, and they lost by a single goal. Well, that tends to be pretty encouraging, at least relative to teams getting blown off the ice. Whereas a team like Toronto, you know, I, they're three goals better than than their opponents over the course of the year, but like their their goal differential is zero at even strength. Their their shooting percentage is in the bottom eight nine in the league. Like there are things if you're a Maple Leafs fan where you know. They're well-positioned, once again, to make the playoffs, and I, there are a few people who are, I think, more bullish about the Maple Leafs prospect X the goaltending group um, than I am. But if you look at the first, let's say, fifth of the regular season, their record is certainly better um, than I think their performance has been. And that, to me, uh, and, and historically speaking, tends to be a bit of a bearish sign for future outcomes. Uh, all things considered. Now, again, you can have change, players, you know, health changes, injury changes, players get traded, players get signed and waived. The situation is always evolving and changing, but it does help us calibrate in terms of how we understand a team's talent performance. So what part of the Maple Leafs would you say they're underachieving most that you think they really need to get going here for them to, I guess, get up to par to where we expect them to be? Yeah, that's a really good question because it's I I love I love this, this this skater group. I I thought they had one of the better blue lines in the entire league, which is something if you said four years ago about Toronto would have been literally laughable. <laughs> I had major concerns about the goaltending group and still do to this day. Well, the goaltending's been good. Ilya Samsonov was good early. They've gotten good relief despite injuries. Um, the goaltending has held up way better than expected, which is a little scary if you think that's going to regress. I think the, the the concern I have with Toronto is it's it's two part. Number one, again through the fifth of the season, they have not outscored their opponents at even strength. That is not what we are a customer expect from a lineup with this much skill. And if you look at the breakout, the Maple Leafs, at least for the first fifth of the season, they they look like a top heavy team. And irrespective of how you adjudicate any one player's performance in that lineup. If you look at their third and fourth lines in Toronto, they have been pretty underwhelming. They've been generally outchanced. They've been generally outscored on most nights. And th- this Toronto team, even just a, you know a year, two years, three years ago, yes, we know that most of their financial commitments are at the very top of the lineup. 
But they had a relatively deep team as well where they, the organization had gotten pretty good and or lucky in some cases of either filling gaps through you know internal call-ups or finding value on the cheap. Look what's happened this year, though. I mean, they've already waived a couple of players that haven't worked out. Uh, a couple of players they've signed just are struggling, and, and, and the performance hasn't materialized quite yet. I'm, I'm thinking of Kelly Arkrock is yeah. a great example of that. Um, but all this to say, the goaltending is held up, and – they're winning games. They've got a lot of points in the bank, which is phenomenal. But I think there are genuine performance concerns a bit further down the lineup, uh, especially on that third and fourth line. And obviously the absence of Jake Muzzin is not helping things much right now either. Injuries are what they are. But I, I did not expect Toronto to be, I think, as quite as top-heavy as they are. Top-heavy teams can make the playoffs all the time. They always do. But when you're talking about Stanley Cup contention, you cannot be rolling out one or two lines that are going to get blown off the ice. Um, it's just you saw what it, what a Stanley Cup team looks like in Colorado. Everyone talks about the Nathan McKinnon line and how great they were. The reality in Colorado was if you were playing against their third and fourth lines, you were getting whacked too last year. So that and I think that is where Toronto wants to be. I just don't think they're there yet. Yeah, I think you can look at last night's game too and just yeah, see how good that, that third like that third and fourth line, that BMW line, Miles Wood and, and Mercer and all like they. It, that's a deep team that they've got there. And Toronto, yeah, there's still a work in progress. I think we can all uh, agree with that. Uh, Travis, really appreciate taking the time as always, pal. Uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll chat again soon. All right. Take care, guys. All right. There he goes. Travis Yost, TSN hockey analytics writer. Um, yeah, go check out that piece on tsn.ca. It's a, it's a really fascinating read. And I think it's like the Maple Leafs sitting here at a plus three goal differential. That's in all situations. Well, he really put it into context when he gave Ottawa's. Well, that's the thing, right? So they have two more goals. Like the the Leafs right now, and you, when you look at it in, uh, I think they're still, what, 20? I could quickly, if I can do some quick maths here. So they are very much in the bottom third tier in goal scoring right now when it comes to them. They're 25th in the NHL in goals per game at 2.89 goals per game. That's I, not what you're, what's you're accustomed to. I hate it, AB. And, like, you can point to the bottom of the roster if you want, I guess. I, I, I know that he was there, and I know it's important to get secondary scoring, but some some primary scoring would be dope, too. Well, you've got, <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be like, nice, That would right? be great. Like, Austin Matthews is still sitting here with two goals at 5-on-5. Five five. You noted earlier in the show, one goal at 5-on-5 five five his last 16 games. Ugh. That's that's not what you come to expect of a guy who scored 60 a year ago and since coming into the league has been the GOAT at 5-on-5 five five scoring. And we want him back. His shooting percentage right now at 5-on-5, five five, sub 4%. We want him back. Give him back to us. <laughs> I expect it to come back to, to earth. I do expect for him to be uh, to, to score some goals. It's It will, I mean... It should come, I suppose, and we're getting to a point yeah. in the year where it's like, like okay, when's it going to come? Like, yeah. why, why aren't we allowed to be concerned about Austin Matthews? We're allowed to be concerned. I feel a little concerned, I'll say. You can be concerned, I think, but when you also like look deep into the analytics, he's second in the NHL and expected goals for. And just trusting the, again, just like Chris Johnson said, trusting the 400-plus games that we've seen out of Austin yeah. Matthews versus these last Yeah, 18, Trust the process, as they oui, say. Oui. Um all right, on the other side, there was uh, an interesting conversation. We got a text referring to maybe bringing yes. trading for a defenseman versus a forward, and, and I thought it was an, an interesting um, discussion. So maybe we can have that chat on the other side. Phil Kessel played his 1,000th game, and uh, we can maybe talk about what we're looking forward to uh, this upcoming weekend on the hockey slate. 
Uh, Leafs Lunches Fueled by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. If you're a chance to win $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card, text the keyword LUNCH and your name to 105050. Standard text message rates apply. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.